Welcome to The Build Up by Alibaba Australia New Zealand, a bite-sized podcast series here to demystify the journey of entrepreneurship with in-real-life advice from industry experts who are in the business of the build. In the midst of creating entrepreneurial projects of their very own and finding their way in the world of biz. Learn, laugh and dream big with good humans doing great work and get inspired to build an entrepreneurial journey of your own. This podcast is an initiative of Alibaba Australia New Zealand, the global technology company and is produced by The Peers Project, where progressive podcast dreams are brought to life. Hey Builders, Michelle here, and welcome to the very first episode of The Build Up by Alibaba Australia New Zealand, a guide to finding your way in the world of biz. In this episode, we'll be exploring the importance of self-starting, taking inspiration from the Chinese proverb, dig the well before you are thirsty, or wei yu chou That's right. We're going to talk about how to start digging, door knocking and self-motivating, building your idea into a viable business and seeking out the right inspiration and tools to get the party started. Today, I'm joined by Maeva Heim, founder of Bread Beauty Supply. Bread makes staple products for every coily, afro and curly-haired human's hair care wardrobe. The basics, the must-haves, just like bread. Together, they're bridging the gap between expensive, chemically-laden hair care brands and a safer, more cleaner alternative that not only works, but looks good on your bathroom shelf. Welcome, Maeva. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. It's so good to have you, Maeva. Please take the mic and share with us, in your own words, who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Yeah, so I'm Maeva. I'm the founder of Bread Beauty Supply. We do make hair care basics for not-so-basic hair, so hair care products designed specifically for curly and coily hair. The reason I do it is kind of very layered and a very long story. But ultimately, you know, I spent a few years working in brand marketing at some really big beauty and consumer companies and kind of, you know, wanted to branch out on my own and and launch a brand that I felt was better serving more customers, more consumers of colour specifically. And then I went through kind of a personal journey of discovering that there were no hair care products in the market that were designed for my hair type, which is very coily, very curly, um, that I could really relate to, that were really contemporary, that also had clean ingredients and that I wanted to spend a lot of money on. So that's kind of the very short version of the origins of bread. But ultimately, our mission is really to kind of diversify the category and push the beauty industry towards a more diverse future. It's so refreshing to hear, Maeva, I think, you know, as someone with very coily, curly hair, it's it's just so great to hear that there are options out there for people like, you know, for women like us who really just need a helping hand in that department. I guess if you take us back to those early days of coming up with the idea, I know obviously your personal experience inspired it, but what really inspired you to turn that into a business? I think it was a few things. One, I was kind of just becoming really fed up with the industry. I was behind the scenes of all of these really incredible big brands and just feeling like they weren't really speaking to me as a customer or women who looked like me. And then my experiences as a consumer as well, not just from you know being behind the curtain, but also just being at the shelves and feeling like there's nothing here that's directly speaking to me. When I left my corporate marketing role um, in beauty, 
I always knew that I was going to start a brand. Like that's why I left. The motivation was always to start a brand, to be the CEO of hopefully a really big brand so that the decision-making power about that brand would be in the hands of me as a consumer serving consumers who looked like me. I actually had no idea what the brand was going to be though. I just knew that (laughs) that was the mission and that there was work to do in pretty much every single category. And I was actually exploring launching a makeup brand at that time. This was pre-Fenty. For those who don't know, Fenty is uh, Rihanna's makeup brand launched a few years ago. And I always kind of talk about the beauty market in the sense of pre-Fenty and post-Fenty because a lot changed after the launch of Fenty and that kind of very, very inclusive positioning that they went to market with. And I went on a trip to the United States as I was kind of exploring launching this makeup company. And I was in New York and I got on a flight to go from New York to Colorado and I had a chemical hair straightening product in my suitcase. And when I arrived in Colorado, I opened up my suitcase and this chemical hair straightener had exploded over all of my stuff. And we were in the mountains in the middle of nowhere, didn't have access to get another one. And I thought, you know, I've been thinking about the products that I'm putting on my skin, like on my body and on my face, but I'm still putting this product, which, you know, in the past has caused me like scabs and welts and broken hair and all sorts of things on my scalp, um, which is also skin and that I should probably stop doing it. And it was something that I had done for 20 plus years, you know, multiple times a year. And I had never had my hair naturally curly. It was always straight from this chemical relaxer. Um, And so, you know, decided to stop. And that's when I went on the hunt for products that were actually designed for curly hair and just felt really underwhelmed by what was available and almost like I had gone in a time machine and I was back in the 90s and all of the brands and products kind of looked the same and there was nothing modern and it was also incredibly confusing. I had no idea what to buy. I had no idea how to wash my hair. And no brands were kind of taking me through that very kind of basic and simple process. And when I looked into, you know, how to do that and researched online and looked at YouTube videos, it was all very complicated and very long. It was like 20 plus products and it's going to take you half a day. And I thought there has to be a better way. And so (laughs) that's why um, I started building bread, which was really about simplifying um, textured and curly hair routines starting from wash day. I just find it so fascinating, Maver. I think, you know, I once again, I bring it back to myself, but I think so many of the amazing, you know, women and even males out there listening who have the kind of hair that you and I do and that difficult, curly, very coarse at some points, it can just be such a pain point. You know, what advice would you give to those who are looking to start something of their own around how to find it? And then secondly, how to actually start building it? Yeah, I think I, and I think a lot of people are guilty of this, getting caught up in like the steps. It's like, okay, what's next? Like I need to know what I'm doing and I need to know what the next thing is and I need to know like 10 steps ahead. But I think the best piece of advice that I could give, and and this kind of goes back to the Chinese proverb in kind of trying to lay that path before you even know what you're doing. Um, And so I actually spent a number of years just building connections and meeting people and speaking with people, networking, getting to know people, building relationships before I had any idea what I was doing. (laughs) 
<laughs> because I knew that ultimately, you know, I wanted to build relationships with people who were in the space, whether they were investors or, you know, executives in the space or whether it was manufacturers or whoever that I could just get in front of now, even buyers. So like Sephora, who we launched with in the United States in July of last year, um, I met with Sephora before I had a single product and pitched their buyers before I had produced a single thing. <laughs> so wow. I think doing that and laying the foundation for what could come is a great place to start. Don't worry about the steps in a linear way. Nothing is going to happen like that. <laughs> so I think just make the most of whatever position you are in now and meet people and really put yourself out there before you're even ready. What's the best way that we can meet people and those key people? That is a great question because we are in COVID times. Yes. <laughs> so it becomes a little trickier. I think a lot of the the success of bread and the kind of groundwork that we were able to lay was because I was able to go to physical in-person events and meet people. I think now the best way to kind of get in front of someone is obviously either through email or a number of different social platforms. And I actually think that it's probably even easier now to get in front of people digitally <laughs> than it was back then because everyone is online almost 24-7 now. And so it's actually a little easier to kind of get access to people. You have platforms like Clubhouse and different social places where people are hanging out that makes it a little easier to contact them, whether it's through a cold email, whether it's through a message on LinkedIn, whether it's even through a DM on Instagram, if that's appropriate for the person you're trying to reach. Um, even Twitter. I think that if you're in this space and, and you're building not just consumer brands, but any kind of brand, um, there's a lot of business discussion that happens on Twitter. And that's a great way to get seen or to meet people as well. Um, and then also just thinking about people you already know and who they might know and trying to make that kind of, you know, seven point connection between, okay, that person is this person. And then you keep going down the funnel until <laughs> you get to that person that you need to be introduced to. Um, and it does take time. It does. Um, but I think, you know, all good things take time. So um, you have to start somewhere. And if you don't start now, you'll regret it in six months. Mm -hmm. So just kind of, yeah, start plugging away at it now. Um, and it'll all kind of come to fruition, hopefully at the right time. <laughs> I love that. And I, I couldn't agree more. So now we're going to move on and have a bit of a discussion around today's Chinese proverb. I know you've already alluded to it, but it's dig the well before you are thirsty or where you told Maeva, what does this message mean to you? And how do you view the importance of self-starting and digging that well early? I think it's, you know, going back to my point earlier, I think it's everything, just laying that groundwork before you even know what you're doing or what you need or who you need to speak to, I think is super important. And um, I think probably in my scenario, the best example I have of that is the meeting that I had with Sephora early on. So that came about from a few different things. Um, one, I have always been a fan of someone named Elaine Welteroth and she was an editor of Teen Vogue in the US. And I found out that she was going to be in Australia. And so I sent her a cold email and said, Elaine, I'm a huge fan. I'd love to take you for a coffee. Um, the worst that would happen is that she didn't respond or she said no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she said yes. And so I, you know, within 24 hours, got on a plane to Sydney to go meet Elaine for a coffee. I honestly had no idea what I was trying to get out of that conversation. <laughs> I just knew that she was a really great person and someone that I wanted to meet. Um, and who knows what could come from that connection. 
And so what ended up happening was I met Elaine. Um, she's amazing and we stayed in touch. She ended up hosting an event in LA called the Teen Vogue Conference and we had been in contact on Instagram DMs and she invited me to come. Ended up going to this conference where I knew that there was going to be a Sephora vice president speaking and that my objective for that event to make it worthwhile would be to meet that VP. And so I did. I cornered her at some point during the event <laughs> in, a, in a very tactile way. I waited till she was alone, kind of like dawdling, um, and just approached her and said, hey, I'm building this brand. Um, what is your advice for getting in front of a buyer? Um, and she gave me a card, said, email me your deck and I'll introduce you to the right person. And just like that, um, I got a meeting with a, a hair care buyer who ended up loving what I was building, which at the time was literally a deck <laughs> with some uh, information about the brand and what was going to exist. Um, and, you know, we had a conversation over a period of about two years while I was building this as a side gig. Um, and she ended up putting me forward for the Sephora Accelerate program, which is a program that Sephora runs for uh, female founders. Um, and then after completing that program, got an offer to launch with Sephora, which was um, slightly unprecedented in Sephora's history because that kind of brand deal only really happens if you're an influencer or already have a really large audience. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of those things are me, um, but they just really loved the concept and it was really the right time. And, and if I think if I hadn't gone about, you know, trying to, you know, dig that well in that kind of early stage, then none of these things would have ever happened. So I think it's definitely something that not a lot of people do either. So that kind of gives you a bit of a competitive advantage as well. Just assume the most outlandish thing can happen and then give it a go and you never know, it might just actually happen. <laughs> I mean, you never know, you know, you could land a deal with Sephora. Exactly. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible, Maver. And I just, I'm loving your story. A question I've got for you is how can we take that extra step? You know, you flew to LA. That, that's not, you know, for all of us here in Australia, that's quite far. You took that extra step when you knew perhaps the outcome was going to be nothing, you know. How can we take the extra step and be okay if the outcome isn't what we expected? Yeah, I think that's that's it. Mm. That is where you have to get to. You have to get to a point in time where your frame of mind is, if this doesn't work out, I will be okay. If this doesn't work out, I can do X, Y, and Z. If this doesn't happen, like here is the worst thing that will happen. Do you know what I mean? And I think if you can get to that point, I actually went into a lot of these things thinking this isn't going to happen. If this happens, amazing. And like, it's highly possible that it might, but it's, you know, probably more possible that it won't. And I think if you can get yourself to the point where you're okay with that, you're okay with whatever the outcome is, it makes it much easier to take that step and be like, do you know what? If this doesn't happen, I'm fine. The brand is fine. The business is fine. There will be another way. Um, it's just kind of the attitude you have to go into things with. How can we cultivate that attitude and get better at being okay with it? Mm. It takes, I think, from my experience, just a lot of internal work. Like there's nothing outside of yourself that can actually get you there, I don't think. I think it's really just about within yourself kind of more pragmatically like planning out, okay, if this doesn't happen, if I don't get a deal with Sephora, how can I launch this brand? And once you start opening up your, I guess, mind to different possibilities and different ways of doing things, it 
kind of puts you in a place where you're like, I will be okay no matter what, because regardless of whether we launch with Sephora, I could do it like this, or I can do it like that. And having all of those options on the table and making or creating good options for yourself and for your business, um, I think can definitely help to get you to that point where you're like, you know what, doesn't matter. I've got so many options now um, that this one would be great, but actually these ones sound kind of just equally as good. (laughs) (laughs) We love being in that place. Yeah. Okay. So a question I've got for you is in those early days, perhaps last year when you were (laughs) launching, you know, that's always a very exciting time, that initial rush and launch. How do we stay motivated to keep building what we've set out to do when things can get gloomy and things can get tough? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just eye on the prize. And it's hard. And it was hard for us because we launched in the middle of COVID. Um, And so no matter which way we looked, something was happening. It was either, you know, the ports in China were closing or the ports in the US were closing or we couldn't get samples to approve and that delayed production and so many different things. Um, But I think it really speaks to the importance of having an end goal. Um, and for me and for Brad, it's really about creating a beauty industry where the decision-making power is in more CEOs of colour and more black women who get to make those decisions at the top of really large companies. Um, and we're not going to get there unless, you know, first and foremost, Brad becomes a really large company. <laughs> so having a kind of eye on that ultimate goal is what gets me through the day. And when there's like challenges, which there are like every 20 minutes, (laughs) it's a different challenge. (laughs) Um, If I was kind of too much in the day to day and the now, um, it would make it very difficult to get over those challenges. But thinking about the long game, the 10 years from now, like what do I want to see? That's what gets me through every single day. And if that kind of long-term vision and the long-term goal isn't big enough or lofty enough, it can be really hard to actually attach yourself to it. So you have to think really big and you have to think, cool, if I want to achieve this really big thing, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever. And that's what you're aiming for. So that in 10 years time, you can look back and say, I kept going and we got here. I absolutely love it. On this idea of self-starting and actually, you know, doing something that's perhaps out the norm and perhaps that's just really close to you. What advice would you give to all of our amazing listeners on the idea of self-starting, being okay with it and just going for what you want? Yeah, I, it's, that's kind of a difficult one to answer because for me, the self-starting felt like it wasn't a choice. It really felt like I was at a place where, okay, what are my alternatives? My alternatives are to work for someone else. And my body just would not allow it. (laughs) Just every fibre of my being was saying, no, you, you can't, you have to do this. And so I think if you're in that place where you're like, I, what are my alternatives and would I be okay with those alternatives? And if you're not, then you just have to do it. You have to go out and do it. You have to take the risk. Um, And for me, there was a lot of risk involved. Um, But I knew that if I didn't at least try, even if I failed, if I didn't at least try, I'd be disappointed in myself. And I'd be constantly thinking every single day, what if, what if, what if? Um, And you don't want to be in that frame of mind. And so if that's where you are, then you just need to take the risk. And if you fail, honestly, it's probably not going to matter because everything that you'll learn in that failure, you can just apply to the next thing. Failure is key. I Mm. could not agree more. I've got a final question for you. It's been so insightful. I'm absolutely loving it. What is next for bread? 
Gosh, big question. (laughs) Total world domination. Um, No, we are definitely growing and I'm really, really excited about one, our product pipeline, um, which is super innovative. And I feel like as a company, we get to really push the boundaries of what you would expect in this particular segment of like textured and curly hair. So I'm really excited about that. And then, I mean, I was kind of joking, but also being slightly serious about world domination (laughs) because, um, you know, on the forefront over the next 24 months is um, a lot of global expansion, which I'm equally excited about. Um, But yeah, that's kind of where we're going. And then obviously long term is, um, you know, building something that can last the ages and that can really be a mainstay in this category and not just in this category, but in beauty overall. It's so amazing, Mabel. We can't wait to follow along and to see you achieve it all. It's going to be so good. So where can people learn more about you and bread? Yeah, so you can find us at breadbeautysupply.com and we're on Instagram at breadbeautysupply. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again, Mava. You're so awesome. What you're building is incredible and we really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. On the subject of ease and transparency, we're pleased to take a moment to introduce you to our podcast partner, Alibaba, whose mission is to make it easy to do business anywhere. In a nut-free nutshell, Alibaba enables businesses to transform the way they market, sell, operate, and improve their efficiencies by providing the technology infrastructure and marketing reach to help merchants, brands, and small businesses Leverage the power of new technology, a.k.a. welcome to the future. Alibaba businesses are called commerce, cloud computing, digital media and entertainment, and innovation initiatives. As such, a thriving digital economy has developed around Alibaba platforms and businesses, which welcome consumers, merchants, brands, retailers, third-party service providers, strategic alliance partners, and most importantly, small businesses to the party. Thanks for listening to The Build Up by Alibaba Australia New Zealand, a guide to finding a way in the world of biz. Before you go and start building, hit subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast helpful. That way, more people like you are able to find us and listen too. To keep up, all of the exciting events happening in the world of global biz, follow Alibaba on Instagram and Facebook at alibaba.anz and subscribe to the Alibaba Made Easy email list at the link in this episode's description. Thanks again for listening and remember to never stop building your dreams.